This episode of History Goes Bump is entirely listener-supported. History tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. Hello, you spectacular people. Welcome to this 251st episode of the History Ghost Bump podcast. Ghost tours for the theater of the mind. I am your host, Diane. And this is Denise. On this episode, we are going to be joined by our listener, Brianne Sanford, and her son, Colin. And they're going to share with us the history and hauntings of Fort Leavenworth in Kansas. Before we get into that, we want to welcome into the spectacular crew, Brianne, who joined us there. Hello, Brianne. Kathy. Hi, Kathy. Amanda. Hello, Amanda. Orson. Hi, Orson. AJ. Hey, AJ. Grace. Hello, Grace. Adri. I hope I said that right. Hello, Adri. Christy, who happens to be my sister. Hello, Christy, who happens to be our sister. And Brian, who's Tammy's husband. And hello, Brian, who's Tammy's husband, who actually has... A lot of meetup pins. So he does. About, He's been around a while. Yeah, it's about time he joined the crew. And now, this moment, Noddity. The Irish crown jewels were worn by the Grand Master of the Order of St. Patrick on special occasions. These jewels were comprised of a diamond brooch, five gold collars, and the jeweled star of the Order of St. Patrick. This last piece was a large eight-pointed star composed mostly of Brazilian diamonds, and there was a trefoil of emeralds at its center, within a ruby cross upon the background of blue enamel. These Irish crown jewels were stolen in 1907, despite the fact that the safe in which the jewels were kept had two locks, and this safe was in a room that required seven keys for entry. These seven keys were held by the staff of the Office of Arms, while the two keys that went to the actual safe were held by only the vicar. One was carried by him constantly, the other was kept in a locked drawer at a desk in his home. On July 6th, the safe was found open and the jewels were gone. Also missing were the vicar's mother's personal jewels. Many people were suspected of the crime, the first being the jewels custodian, Arthur Vickers. He enjoyed getting drunk and parading around with the jewels. The theft definitely appeared to be an inside job, but the Dublin police were unable to solve the crime. Scotland Yard jumped in to help with the investigation, and they failed to pinpoint the suspect either. The thief and the location of the jewels remains a mystery, and that certainly is odd. Turn out the lights. The party's just getting started. And now, this month in history. In the month 
month of March, on the 24th in 1955, Tennessee Williams' play Cat on a Hot Tin Roof opened in New York. Williams had been born in 1911 to an abusive father who tormented him ruthlessly. Williams found refuge in books, and he began writing. He proved to be good at writing, and at 14, he won a prize in a national writing competition. Three years later, he sold a short story to Weird Tales magazine. He began writing plays that would win awards, including two Pulitzer Prizes. These plays included The Glass Menagerie, A Streetcar Named Desire, and Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. That play was set in the Mississippi Delta plantation home of Big Daddy Pollitt, a wealthy cotton tycoon. The play focuses on the relationships of Big Daddy's family, primarily between his son Brick and Brick's wife Maggie, who is the cat in the play. The original Broadway production opened at the Morosco Theater on March 24, 1955. It was directed by Elia Kazan and starred Barbara Belgettis as Maggie, Ben Gazzara as Brick, Burl Ives as Big Daddy, Mildred Dunnock as Big Mama, Pat Hingle as Gooper, and Madeline Sherwood as May. The play would win Williams his second Pulitzer Prize. He continued writing until his death in 1983 when he choked on a medicine bottle cap. Fort Leavenworth is the oldest permanent settlement in Kansas and is the oldest active United States Army post west of Washington, D.C. The fort not only has a history as a place of protection for settlers traveling along the Santa Fe Trail, but it also is where the Buffalo soldiers came together during the Civil War. Today, Leavenworth is known as a maximum security prison for the Department of Defense. The fort is also known as one of the most haunted locations in Kansas. Several of the properties have unexplained activity. Join us and our listeners, Brianne and Colin Sanford, as we explore the history and hauntings of Fort Leavenworth. All right. Well, we are joined by Brianne Sanford and her son, Colin, and they suggested to us our location that we're going to talk about, Fort Leavenworth. How are you guys? We're doing just fine. Great. Fabulous. Well, I know before we get into talking about Fort Leavenworth, the first thing we like to ask people is, since you're listening to our podcast, you must be a little bit interested in the paranormal. Is that true and why? Yeah, I've always been interested in the paranormal. You know, my grandma was very into that kind of thing. And she just it kind of carried over into me. And I think the same thing happened to my kids. They just got interested in it because I was interested in it. Well, very cool. How about you, Colin? I just think it's pretty awesome hearing all the stories. They just sound so cool. Great. What do you think a ghost is? Do you have any theories about that, Colin? Usually grandparents. I've thought I think I've seen my grandpa. And that's what I think people see. Oh, well, that leads into my next question, because I was going to ask if you guys had had any experiences of your own. I've had a few weird, unexplained things. And most of them happened when I was a younger kid, a little bit younger than Colin. After my grandmother died, I could smell her perfume and lotion a lot. My grandma always told me stories about her experiencing things. And when I was 13... I swear that I heard somebody walk up the stairs to their top floor apartment and come into the room that I was in, but there was nobody there. Oh, that's chilling. Yeah, it was, it was, but it it wasn't scary. It didn't feel scary at all. I was a little unnerved and I told my grandma about it the next morning and she's like, oh, it's probably just your great grandma. That's all. Well, she seemed awfully calm about it. So apparently it wasn't anything to worry about. Yeah, she very, she took it all in stride because she had experiences like that as well, even in that house and in uh, in other times of her life as well. 
I also wanted to ask you guys about this festival that you have there. Is it Nawala? How do you say that? It's Niawala. It's Halloween spelled backwards. All right. Will you tell the listeners a little bit about this? It is a almost a week-long festival that happens every October that starts off with like a chili cook-off and a medallion hunt and goes off into concerts. We have a big, we usually have a really big concert. Like we had the Oak Ridge Boys a couple of years ago. We've had Terry Clark, a couple of different ones, and they're usually always really good. There's a musical, last year's musical was Mary Poppins, as you probably saw in the video. I have my Mary Poppins new wallet shirt on. There are three parades. Uh, there's a kiddie parade just for kids. There's a dude parade just for adults. And then there's the grand parade, which is the whole shebang. A lot of area high schools bring their marching bands to perform in the parade and the band competition after the parade, which is a big thing. That was our first year this year of doing marching band competition. Uh, Collins in the marching band. And so that was really fun. But they have a carnival. They have food vendors. They've got a craft fair. They've got a, a really good haunted house. And it's just it's a lot of fun. And so many people come to town. Oh, and there's a, there's also, um, they crown a Queen Nila, which is usually a local girl in high school. She gets crowned Queen Nila and she has her own little court of Debs is what they call them. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a big to do around here. It's, it's pretty crazy. And our town, which is usually around, oh, I want to say, oh, 5,500 people swells to about, to about 10,000, if not more. Wow. During wow. That. Yeah. And right. that's a lot of people for us. <laughs> of course, you had me, you had me at Chile. <laughs> I know, right? That's awesome. Evidently, it's a big thing. We haven't gone there, but they give out awards and you can test all the chili and all sorts of things. Wow. I think I want to come visit just so I can go to that festival. Well, come right on down. <laughs> you, we're, you know, we're more than happy to host you for a little while and show you around everything. Well, and that's where most of our, we, we have a, map that we pin every every place we visited in the middle of the, just straight down the middle of the United States was like bare nothing oh that's not so, so we, there's so a we lot should of probably awesome fix places it. yeah yes you should because <laughs> there's a lot of stuff to do even around just around independence so we're talking about Fort Leavenworth will you tell everybody a little bit about uh where it's located first of all Leavenworth is located up in northeast Kansas it's kind of closer to Kansas City, Kansas, and Missouri than it is to Topeka, Kansas, which is our capital. It's It started out as a fort, and then the town grew from that. Just, just out of curiosity, because I knew somebody from Leavenworth, Kansas, is there a military base and a prison there as well? Yes, the, the fort and the prison are still there. Okay. The, and it is, they are both still operational. Okay, so the Ford is still an active military base then? Yes, ma'am. Excellent. Well, and I think most people know when they hear Fort Leavenworth, they're thinking Leavenworth because that's where they send the military prisoners and you don't want to go oh, yeah. there. Oh, yeah. And it's a very imposing structure. I mean, I haven't been out there since I was a wee lass. So, I mean, I imagine that it's changed even now. It was it was very big and very scary looking, and I can only imagine what it would be like on the inside. <laughs> so when was the original fort built? Do you know? The original fort 
that was uh, they found the site for the original fort in May of 18 May of 1827. The quarters for the enlisted men with the kitchens and the hospital was built in 1828. Okay. And who was it named for? It was named for Colonel Henry Leavenworth. He was the one that was given the order to find land suitable for a permanent camp to basically help protect the white settlers and pioneers that were traveling on the brand spanking new Santa Fe Trail okay. from Indian attacks and whatnot. But I don't think that the that the fort itself has ever seen an attack to its area. Okay. But, I mean, there were the Plains Indian Wars. There was Bleeding Kansas and the Civil War where Fort Leavenworth played a very big part in both things, as did the Mexican War as well. But that was basically with the Plains and with the Plains Indian Wars, they, they were basically more of a protection and they sent they sent troops out, but they were never fully attacked, I don't think. I know that they have a cemetery. Is it is it right there on the fort? Yeah. It is a part of the fort. It's the National Cemetery. My grandpa is actually buried there. Oh wow. That's cool. Yeah. I haven't been able to go to his grave. My sister has. Uh, she was there when they buried him. I've seen pictures of it that my dad's taken and whatnot. And it it looks very reminiscent of Arlington Cemetery. And it has a very somber tone to it, of course. And I think that they still continue to do burials there, don't they? Yes, as far as I know. So you yourself have never visited the fort? No, I've uh, visited three or four times when I was younger. Oh, okay, great. So was this your family got you to go or was it a school thing? My dad was very historically centered. You know, he he loved everything history, especially about Kansas and the area that we lived in. He was always taking us on weekend trips. And Leavenworth happened to be one that he would take friends and, and relatives to when they were visiting our house. And so we got to go there. I, I'm pretty sure I, I talked to my sister about it. She, she said that we went there about three or four times. We like to joke here on History Goes Bump about claims of being the most haunted city or the most haunted whatever. And Fort Leavenworth yeah. likes to say that it is the most haunted base in the Army. So we must have some activity going on here. Oh, yeah. There was, it was quite interesting. I found a couple of really good books. There were quite a lot of tales. The uh, Colin will share this part with you. This is one of the more famous ghosts that likes to haunt the fort. Okay. Uh, one of the most famous apparitions at Fort Leavensworth is General George Armstrong Custer. It is said that his apparition patrols the National Cemetery and kneels at various graves as if to offer prayer to those who he may have wronged in life. The general's uh, residence located at 1 Scott Avenue is reported haunted by Custer. They say his spirit roams the first floor of the residence. Some say that his restless spirit still remains due to the fact that he was court-martialed here at the fort and basically disgraced. Oh, that answers my question because I was going to say, why would he be haunting that place? But that would explain why, because he was disgraced there. Yes, evidently what happened is at the time, he was at Fort Leavenworth, and his wife was at Fort Riley, which was a ways away, and evidently she became sick, and he left his post, left his men, and went and took care of her. And evidently, according to that, he was brought back to Leavenworth and court-martialed. I got you. So they figured he went AWOL, which, I mean, I guess exactly. he did technically, but it was for a good reason. Yeah. yeah, and he was only suspended from 
the army for a year. And after his year of suspension, he went on to the battle of Little Bighorn. And we all know what happened there. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't turn out well. No, it didn't. Not a bit. (laughs) So what other places do we have haunted here? Okay. 632 Thomas Avenue was the site of the original St. Ignatius Chapel, which was built in the 1870s. The original church and adjacent home burnt in 1875, and a young priest was killed in the fire, and the material that could be salvaged from the building was used to build build the house that still stands there today. Legend says that the very first residents of the home were privy to Father Fred's apparition, which was the young man that was killed in the fire. They reportedly witnessed a hooded figure move up the stairs, unmindful of the t- of the tenants. Some later residents reported that he liked to join them for dinner and would walk up and down the stairs from the attic or occasionally appeared in the kitchen. He evidently reportedly visits other nearby houses, especially if there is a party going on. According to the book Haunted Kansas, a picture of a robed figure was taken at one such party in 1973. The figure stood behind the subject of the photo and could not be explained. I have um, to, I just have to say, when we're thinking about this father, Fred, being burned to death and he likes to show up in the kitchen, you got to wonder yeah. if the cook's like, did I burn something? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't help myself. Oh, Diane. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a question that didn't go through my mind, actually. <laughs> Evidently, he also has been known to mend his clothes. In 1978, uh, a lieutenant colonel and his wife lived next door to Father Fred's home. One day, the wife noticed the clickety-clack of a sewing machine coming from next door. It struck her as odd as the neighbors were supposed to be out that day. When she told her neighbor of the strange sound, she seemed unconcerned and reported that the sounds happen all the time, that it was simply Father Fred trying to sew his priestly garb. Interesting. Yes. I don't know what I would think of that. (laughs) (laughs) For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Colin has can has one that he can share with you. It's it's really kind of tragic. It's about the ghost of Catherine Sutter. Okay. It is reported that a figure of a woman can sometimes be seen in the autumn carrying a lantern, calling out the names Ethan and Mary. Legend has it that Haram and Catherine Sutter and their children, Ethan and Mary, came to Fort Leavenworth to visit relatives on their way to Oregon Territory in 1880. Right after they arrived, the children who were sent together to gather firewood came up missing. The parents and others began to search for them. They searched the area for three days and three nights before admitting defeat. Catherine would not give up her search and wandered the post by a lantern, calling for her children. Unwilling to leave the area, Hiram and Catherine remained at the fort that winter. Due to her late night searches and harsh wintry landscape, Catherine came down with pneumonia and died. Some say she actually died of heartbreak. Haram returned to India the following spring. Mm-hmm. Later, word has sent to him that the children were indeed alive. 
They had fallen into the river and drifted downstream where the Fox Indians had found them and took them along when they made their winter migration. Aram returned to Fort Leavenworth and collected his children. His wife's apparition is still said to be looking for them, heartbroken and alone on the Kansas prairie. That is sad. Can yeah. you imagine? Yeah, she dies looking for him and they were actually alive and she just didn't know exactly. that. Exactly. That would have that would have killed me. Yeah. <laughs> so I could I could understand why she would still be out there looking for him. It reminds me of the legend of La Llorona that we hear a lot, you know, looking for the children, dies looking yes. for the children. Yes. You hear I've heard a lot of different areas have the same kind of of tale of a woman looking for their children or or whatnot. Over and as a side note, my mom grew up in Wichita, Kansas, which is about 125 miles away from here. And they had what's called Theorosis Bridge. And legend says that a woman was forced to throw her baby over the bridge and and the baby drowned. And so she basically spent her afterlife crying for her child. Oh, wow. So it's, I think it's one of those legends like the lady in white or the lady in black that you hear a lot of. Sure. Cry baby bridge. Same kind of thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. There is actually a lady in black at the fort according to the haunted Kansas book that I was mentioning in 1975 uh, residents at 16 Sumner place reported that their then six year old son began telling them vivid stories of frontier Kansas telling of Jayhawkers, Quattro's Raiders and other stories. They were mystified by the sheer historical accuracy of his tales. When they asked where he had learned them, the parents were shocked to find out that he learned the story from the nice lady in the black dress that reads stories from her book to me after I go to bed at night. Oh, yeah, you don't <laughs> want to hear that. It's like, okay. I know, right? Uh, we're in the house <laughs> alone. Where's she coming from? Exactly. Um, evidently, later that night, the parents crept to their son's room and witnessed a faint glow from under the door and reported hearing a low murmuring voice. Scared, the parents rushed into the room, noticing the chill in the air. Next, the old wooden rocker in the corner of his room was empty but rocking by its own volition. The little boy, frightened by the abrupt intrusion, burst into tears and claimed that the lady would never come and see him again, that she said if his parents ever discovered her, she would leave and never return. Parents' recourse was to have the house exercised by the Catholic Army chaplain and 12 other laymen. That's a lot of people. It was a little overkill, I think. The Catholic officials deny any such exorcism on the house, but the lady in black was never seen by their son again. She reportedly moved on to greener pastures. Next door at 18 Sumner Sumner Place began witnessing phenomena. Doorknobs would turn, lights would turn off and on. A presence was felt in the kitchen, the stairway, and in the bedroom. The resident reported that she left dirty dish, dinner dishes on the counter and left home to find the dishes scraped and stacked neatly next to the dishwasher. Another family in the residence reported that she was roused by sleep by a touch on her arm and the sound of someone speaking her name. Upon waking, she claimed that the, that the figure of a woman dressed in black stood by her bed. As the figure faded away, the image stayed in her mind. You know what I found a little bit unusual about the ones who had the exorcism with the little boy is I wonder if they thought 13 was a good number to exorcise it because it was him plus 12 others. So you got, I didn't even think about that. Besides overkill, it was 13 people. It's like, woohoo, here we go. Maybe you're right. What's interesting is she moved and then instead of reading stories, she decided to be a housekeeper so she can come to my house if she wants to. I know, right? 
My kids would absolutely love it. That's one of their chores. They have to do the dishes and we don't have a dishwasher. <laughs> okay, spirit tempters. No. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. So, Colin, would you be okay with a ghost showing up at your house if it did the dishes for you? Uh, totally. Okay, there you go. I'm surrounded. No, I know, right? Colin has a couple of more to, to share with you here. The Civil War ghost soldiers' apparitions are reported to be roaming the National Cemetery everywhere. And the Rookery. Built in 1832, the Rookery is the oldest house continuously occupied in Kansas. Located at 14 Sumner is particularly active house. Reports claim that the spirit of a young woman with unkept hair rushes at people, screaming like mad, with her white gown flowing. Some say that they have seen other apparitions, like an old woman that sits in a corner, a young girl throwing a fit, an old man in a nightshirt, and ghosts that like to hide their children's toys. They got a lot of stuff going on there. They really do. They really do. They also have a toilet flushing ghost. And I'm not joking. I read that twice just to make sure that was actually in the fort. (laughs) Is its name Moaning Myrtle? (laughs) No, unfortunately not. That would have been great, though. I think it probably should have been. Evidently, this spirit is said to uh, reside at 22 Sumner Place. And like I said, it's enamored with the home's indoor plumbing. The story goes that one time the upstairs neighbors went on to a short vacation and left a key with the downstairs neighbors to, to let them watch over their house while they were gone. The man of the house was watching TV one night and heard the upstairs toilet flush. He went upstairs, looked around, and found nothing. When both the husband and wife went to bed that night, they heard the phantom flushing again. The wife demanded her husband check things out, and he found nothing amiss again. The rest of the weekend, the toilet flushed every six hours like clockwork. When the upstairs neighbor came home, the husband told him what happened. The upstairs neighbor just smiled and replied that every time they went away, their toilet flushed as well. What's interesting is since it happens with routine every six hours, makes you think it's residual. And what is that connected to? Did somebody have cholera, dysentery or something? And that was when they needed to go? I don't know. Maybe. Or that's when they emptied out bedpans. Oh, good point. That might be it. Or they went to that chili festival. (laughs) (laughs) You never know. (laughs) Something was hot and something. Uh, Yeah, and it was uh, definitely the plumbing, but (laughs) that was pretty much all I could find about the the fort proper. There were still a lot of ghost stories and claims in the town of Leavenworth itself. Well, Uh, we'd love to hear some of that, too. Oh, good deal, because I wrote it all out. (laughs) Lloyd's of Leavenworth is reportedly one of the most haunted areas in town. Lloyd's boasts more than one apparition. Callahan's Drugstore was established on the site of the now jewelry store in 1868. In 1943, a man named Gnip, spelled G-N-I-P, I'm going to say it's Gnip, purchased the store and it remained Gnip's Drug Store until he died in 1957. The current order, owners claim that Gnip still waits the counters waiting for customers. The owner and staff have reported voices, pushing, and numerous ghostly figures. Employees that Gnip considers might consider as lacking will be reminded to work harder by the radio being turned off and on by an unseen hand. One employee reported she saw an older man standing at the locked front door, having been accustomed to buzzing people in since that was the way they operated the door. She buzzed him in and watched him open the door, walk in with cane in hand and walk up to the counter slowly. 
When he finally reached the counter, the woman hung up the phone she was on, turned to greet him. The gentleman was nowhere to be found. Whoa. Yeah. And there was another tale that another employee was closing up at night and she saw a woman walk past the the counter and up the stairs and her and her husband looked all around trying to find her and they never did. And there was wow. no other way to get out. It sounds so. like a ghost to me. I know. <laughs> There's another, here's another one. At the Santa Fe Diner, built in 1886, the diner served passengers on the LNS Railway and the interurban that connected the city of Leavenworth to Kansas City. The depot was in use until 1982 when it was abandoned. It is said that a child's handprint can be seen on the glass of the transom above the entry doors. Glass can be cleaned and yet the prints always show back up. Theories debunking the print state that they could be mineral deposits left on the glass, while others say it is the spirit of a child murdered in the front of the station more than 50 years ago. Documents also claim that there are cold spots, voices, and an apparition of a woman in a long dress is often seen in the dining room. Lights turn off and on at odd times. Faucet in the kitchen turns on full blast and lights have been seen in the depot tower where there's no electricity. Wow, interesting. Obviously, it could be mineral deposits that look like the shape of a hand, but I don't know. I know. And when you have such a violent act mm-hmm. to happen to such a small child, you would bound to think that it would leave its imprint on something somehow. Something. This is the last bit of, of information I found. In 1900, the body of Pearl Forbes was found a ways from downtown Leavenworth. Fred Alexander, a Negro man, was also killed at the same in the same location in a lynching that was witnessed by almost 8,000 residents. Mm. Fred had been accused of the rape of Eva Roth and the murder of Mrs. Miss Forbes, even though there was no concrete evidence that pointed at Alexander committing the crimes. He was held in a jail cell. The enraged citizens of Leavenworth broke down the outside wall of Alexander's cell. He, they apprehended him and demanded that he be burned at the stake for his crimes. Alexander claimed his innocence repeatedly. The crowd didn't care. The townspeople fixed him to a pyre along the river, covered him in coal oil twice, and lit a match. Oh, my he God. Was, yeah. He was dead within five minutes, yet they, keep, they kept adding wood until, onto the pyre until 7 p.m. From 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock, the people that were at work were coming home and they were dry. They were coming to, uh, to see the spectacle. The crowd swarmed and collected bits of skin, chain and wood as morbid souvenirs. Legends say that you can hear a moaning, the roaring of the crowd and the crackle of the fire. Wow. That is not a good haunting at all. Oh my no. gosh. What a horrible, horrible way to die too. Yeah. Wow. And he didn't commit. He swore his innocence to sure. the very last breath. And he probably was, but, you know, that's what they did back then. Yep. Unfortunately, that's, yeah, that's exactly the case. But that was all of the information that I found. (laughs) That was all. That was a lot. (laughs) There's nothing haunting Leavenworth at all. Golly, you guys are so quiet there. (laughs) Now I'm sad I've never been to one of the tournaments that are there. I'm just like, wait, we're going to go see see some of our Taekwondo peeps there and come play. Well, um, now see where we're at in Independence is in the very lower right-hand corner of Kansas, which is close to Oklahoma. The Fort, Fort Leavenworth is up in the northeast Kansas, the northeast part of Kansas, which is about two hours from where we live. Okay, so it's like the opposite corner there. Pretty much, yeah. 
I was raised up in Northeast Kansas, probably about an hour away from Fort Leavenworth. I mean, we live, we have our Neowalla, we have the William Inge Festival, and we have the Little House on the Prairie. Oh, of course. Yeah. Wow. And it's a replica of Laura Ingalls Wilder's home that she had when she lived in Independence. Oh, oh neat. You would love that, Diane. Yeah, I would. It's really cool. <laughs> I really enjoy it. Well, Brianne and Colin, thank you so much for joining us and sharing those stories with us. I'm sure it's going to creep the listeners out. Oh, I hope so. Um, it trying to creep me out reading all of it. So. <laughs> well, I think you. I should probably have some very vivid dreams tonight. <laughs> well, thank you again for joining us. You guys have a great evening. You too. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Most people think prison when they hear the word Leavenworth. There is far more than just criminals at this historic fort. Are there ghosts wandering among the various buildings that make up this property? Are the spirits in the city of Leavenworth itself? Is Fort Leavenworth haunted? That is for you to decide. Well, we might have a reason to go to Kansas, Denise. Usually it's one of those drive-through states, but maybe we'll stop. Yes, I'll definitely get out our the National Parks Passport book and see where we might get some stamps as we go to Transverse Fort Leavenworth. I want to encourage you guys to check out our website at historyghostbump.com. And Denise, if people want to send us some feedback, where can they do that? They can do that at historyghostbump at gmail.com. And we did get an email from Jennifer. She said, Denise and Diane, I just wanted to drop you a note to say how much I'm enjoying the podcast. You all really are creating a quality podcast. I appreciate the time and effort you all take to give clear, concise, and correct history along with such fun facts regarding the things that go bump. I've recently moved and taken on a very stressful job, so listening to the podcast really helps me to relax and focus on the task at hand. I feel as though I'm on a location with you, especially the Marietta, Georgia trip, as this is my hometown. I learned many new things about Marietta history. Kudos to you for that. Thank you for sending that to us. And we really enjoyed doing that episode on Marietta and doing the ghost tour there. That was one of our favorite ones that we've been on. Yes, it was. That was a lot of fun. We want to share some reviews from Apple Podcasts. First one up is Katie Love 10921 Lighthouse Stories are awesome. Five stars. I just found this podcast once my boyfriend introduced me to podcasts in general. I wasn't a fan of podcasts until I realized I can listen to podcasts about things I love, like the history of lighthouses. They intrigue me and they have for years. I live near Lake Michigan between Chicago and Milwaukee, so we love to visit the surrounding lighthouse and Door County, Wisconsin lighthouses. The ghost stories of what you find are greatly interesting and make my time go by at work or commuting in standstill traffic every morning. Keep it up. Well, thank you, Katie. And then we have Mama Duke, 2012, my favorite all-time podcast, five stars. I love listening to every single episode and can hardly express enough gratitude for the countless hours of great entertainment and education. Best paranormal podcast ever. Thank you both. Well, thank you, Mama Duke. No, no, no. Love this show, five stars. It's a great combination of history and the paranormal. One of my favorites. Well, thank you for posting your reviews. We appreciate that, everybody. We want to thank you guys for listening to this episode. I have been your host, Diane. And this has been Denise. You take care now. Bye-bye. This episode has been brought to you by our executive producers. Dispatches from the Grave Digger. We have a lot of people coming into the cemetery. We've got Rachel Pardo with a chest tomb and Kara Stan Cooper with a chest tomb as well. And then in our garden crypts, Jennifer Williams, Kristen Sindel, and Jenny Lee Watt. So, Mr. Gravedigger, you've got a lot of garden crypts to get building. So get on it, buddy. Yes, Denise. I'll get to work. At least she called me buddy. 
Check out the website at historygoesbump.com. ones who get it done the most important part is the one you need now and the best partner is the one who can deliver that's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust granger because we have professional grade supplies for every industry even hard to find products and we have same day pickup and next day delivery on most orders but most importantly we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done